Hi, welcome to this fresh teaching from Foundation Church Belfast. My name is David, I'm the pastor of Foundation Church and we have been examining together over these past few weeks the life and experiences of an Old Testament character called Gideon. And today uh, in this teaching I want to bring uh, two things out of our text. We're going to be looking at chapter 6 and, and, and some of chapter 7 of the book of Judges. And the two things I want to say to you is when it, when it comes to salvation, number one, uh, God strengthens the weak. Uh, but secondly, when it comes to salvation, God weakens the strong. Uh, but before we get into those two things, just a, a bit of a recap. We, we met Gideon a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he, he, was, he was called by God. God. God met him in the form of an angel. Uh, he gave uh, Gideon this new identity, greetings, he said, O, o mighty warrior. Uh, and then he gave him a new mission. He said, right, you're gonna, I'm going to use you to go and save, go and deliver my people Israel. They were being oppressed um, by this group of another tribe called the Midianites. And, uh, and the first part of Gideon's message was to go and, and pull down the, the idols of his town. Uh, go and hack them down. That's what the name Gideon means, hacker or chopper. And so off he, off he went and did that. And, and uh, we saw that last week and, and we ended um, with this uh, statement that the, the Spirit of the Lord, it says, clothed Gideon in chapter 6, verse 34. He clothed Gideon. And so Gideon uh, sounded the trumpet, it says, uh, and all the fighting men from his own clan came and joined to him. Not only that, but a message went out to the wider tribes um, and backup arrived. Backup came to, to uh, answer the call to mission. And so, first of all, we're going to say when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak. Uh, what does it mean that the, the Gideon was, was clothed? Well, it means that he was filled <coughs> with the Spirit of God. He was greatly empowered. Uh, we could say he was anointed for mission. He received this sort of endowment of, of power from on high. Uh, and other people clearly saw it. You know, others from his clan and, and wider uh, circles flocked to him. They recognized his leadership and they came to him. But interestingly, Gideon, it seems, didn't see it. He, he needed further convincing that he was God's man. Um, he, he heard God's voice. He maybe even agreed with it um, in principle, but yet he didn't own it. He didn't feel it. He, he lacked that, that inner conviction of his calling. It seems that Gideon's faith was weak, and as such, he was unprepared for the battle that God was leading him to. And so then we get to one of the most famous parts of, of the story, one of the most recognisable parts of the story of Gideon, uh, the bit about the fleece. Uh, what happened? Well, well, at the beginning of chapter 7 of Judges, or at the end of chapter 6, uh, Gideon decided that he wanted to get confirmation. He wanted to test God. So he threw down, literally threw down a test to God. He said to God, look, if you will save Israel using me, as you have said, then I'm going to put this fleece down on the ground overnight and uh, if it is true then then please let the fleece be wet on the ground but everything else to be dry then i'll know that you, you really have called me so it says the following morning after this happened indeed uh, the fleece was soaking wet and the rest of the ground around the camp was dry uh, and it says that they're so wet so damp um, that, that, that you could squeeze it out and it would fill a whole bowl of water that's how wet this was beyond a shadow of a doubt God signed to him. But apparently this was not enough for Gideon. He sought yet further confirmation. Uh, and so the following night, he asked for the same in reverse. Look, Lord, again, just confirm it. Sorry, you know, if, if, if I'm, uh, you know, please don't be angry with me. But uh, this night I'm going to put the fleece out. And if it's dry and all the rest of the ground is wet, then they'll know for sure. 
And it says that the following day, God did so, the fleece was dry, and all the rest of the ground was wet. God provided a second confirmation uh, to strengthen Gideon's weak faith. Remarkable. Remarkable that God would do that. But as, as you read uh, the rest of the story coming up to the moment of battle, there was an, a third confirmation, even more remarkable. God provided a third confirmation on the night of the battle itself. He even said to Gideon, look, Gideon, you're going to win. I'm going to give the Midianites into your hand. But if you are afraid, he says, go down to the Midianite camp in the night and listen in to a conversation. And afterwards, says God, your hand will be strengthened. And so uh, Gideon took that option. He went down into the Midianite camp with uh, his servant and he listened out. And what would you... What, would you know, uh, he, he heard one of the Midianites uh, telling another Midianite mate uh, of a dream. Uh, and this is the conversation recorded here in, in uh, Judges chapter 7. Uh, one Midianite said, look, oh, man, I, 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 I had this really weird dream one night, he says. Uh, I, I dreamt that this huge uh, cake of barley, bread, came rolling into our camp. It struck the tent. The tent turned over. It was flattened. What could this mean, he says to his mates. And his, his Midianite pal obviously had a, an ability to interpret dreams. He said to him instantly, well, it, it's obvious what this dream means. That, that cake of barley bread is none other than the sword of Gideon. God has turned uh, this whole camp into his hands. So there you have it. And Gideon overheard this and his servants, and they were greatly strengthened. And then they went back up to their camp ready to fight the battle that God had given them. You see, when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak. Twice, God gave Gideon this objective, measurable sign through the, 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 the fleece. Uh, and a third time, he confirmed his, his, his will uh, through this remarkable dream and interpretation through the mouth of, of the enemy. How remarkable is that? But can you see what God is doing throughout all of these episodes? He is, he is strengthening Gideon's hand. Um, he, is, he is ministering to him reinforcement to stiffen his spine, to galvanize uh, that Holy Spirit clothing that came upon Gideon um, at the beginning. Notice what God didn't do. God didn't tut when, when Gideon asked for a confirmation. He, he didn't chop his head off. You, you evil person, I've already spoken, how dare you? He didn't say, away with you, I'll find someone else to do my mission, someone with more faith. He didn't say that either. God, three times, came and strengthened Gideon. Today we might say that Gideon had a, a self-esteem problem. He was very low about his own interpretation of himself. Maybe more accurately, we'd say he had a God-esteem problem. He, he could not believe God's word about him. Others obviously could see it. Uh, but he couldn't bring himself to share their enthusiasm about him. You see, when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak. Perhaps a question comes up at this moment. I know it does for me. Anyway, does God today permit this kind of, of testing, of confirmation signs? In other words, is it normal for us today, for believers in Jesus, to seek signs to confirm the divine will. It's often answered in, in, in one of two ways, depending on your perhaps your background or your convictions. Conservative 
Christians will often say, well, uh, when, when they come to this scenario of Gideon and the fleece, they'll often say, well, uh, Gideon heard God, God's word. He received God's word. It was stated clearly to him through the angel and, and, and then through a vision as well. He knew exactly what he had to do. That was enough. He could have chosen to believe in God just then. And, and yet he didn't. And so therefore, they would, they would say, uh, asking God for signs is basically a form of unbelief. Uh, Gideon didn't believe in God. Uh, he, he should have been condemned for what he did. You know, seeking signs is not something that we should be following today. It is something that should be uh, condemned for unbelief. We shouldn't do it. That's how they would answer. Uh, perhaps Christians from a charismatic or Holy Spirit sort of driven, let's say, background may answer very, very differently. They, when, they, when they look at this, the issue of signs and the fleece and all that confirmation signs, they would tend to say, absolutely, yes, we should be seeking signs from the Lord. Unequivocally, yes, this is normal for believers. It's to be embraced and encouraged. So which is it? Do we go... Uh, and say, no, this is wrong, this is a form of unbelief if you do this? Or do we say, uh, without qualification, yes, you should do this, and everybody should be seeking God's confirmation signs as a normal part uh, of, of our Christian um, practice? Which is it? Is it good to do this, or is it bad to do this? Is it sinful, or is it saintly? Well, let me answer that question in two parts. First of all, before we look at ourselves and before we even examine the practices of Gideon, let's look, let's remind ourselves, this is God. Look at God. Look at how he responds. Because as we're seeing, when it comes to salvation, his saving plan, God strengthens the weak. This is what he's doing. And he's teaching Gideon to trust him. He's, he's leading Gideon through permitting these signs. He's leading him into deeper faith, deeper trust in God. He's growing Gideon's faith. And, and, and isn't that just a sign of God's kindness? Isn't that, isn't that a sign of his graciousness, how he, he, he grants these requests, even if Gideon is verging on severe doubt? God is not dismissive. He does not appear here impatient. Instead, he graciously condescends. That is, he comes down to Gideon's level. He cares for him he strengthens him where he is in the situation that Gideon finds himself so first when we're asking this question is this for us today look at God and just let's see how he loves his people let's see how he seeks to bring them he wants to bring them into deeper faith and trust in him how he gently guides them just like he guides Gideon and, and he is the same God today um, and, and, and he is the same God towards you today. Note that nowhere in this text or elsewhere in Scripture is Gideon condemned for what he did. There is no hint of him doing the wrong thing. So first of all, look at God, look at his love, look at his character. And he wants to lead us to deeper faith. But secondly, then, okay, should we or should we not do this? Yes or no? And I will answer that by saying, perhaps, maybe. Uh, don't forget, he's asking for confirmation. He's not asking for God to make up his mind. He knows God's will. He's asking uh, for his faith to be deepened, uh, for his faith to be shored up. He, he's asking for a deeper conviction about what he knows he's been called to do. 
So how might that work for us today then? How might we, we go about this? Because as we've seen, he's this, God is the same God. He's the same loving, caring, gracious God um, that was at work in Gideon's day. But the thing that's very different is, is the context. Gideon on the one hand and us here today. Very, very different. So how might this, this work out for us today? What might this mean for us today? Well, for us today as believers in Jesus, seeking uh, God's guidance or rather his, his confirmation. First of all, we have God's word in scripture, in the Bible. Um, God's revelation to his people seen most clearly and wonderfully and excellently in the Bible. And so we go there. Don't forget, Gideon didn't have that, didn't have the Bible. We have this wonderful gift, uh, 66 books of the Bible written by different authors, inspired by God the Holy Spirit, with one message, one hero, Jesus. And uh, he, we have this wonderful gift, and we have the ability in, under the Holy Spirit to know the mind of God through reading Scripture. He didn't have that. Uh, the other thing we have today that Gideon didn't have is a community of faith. Um, we have the local church, God's gift of one another to ourselves, uh, not only that, we have the historic church, you know, the, the church of the ages. And through the church, whether it's the local church that we're members of or, or, or the wider you know, historic church of all times, through this, uh, we have the opportunity to invite voices uh, to speak into our lives, to, to, uh, to, to the calling that God uh, gives individuals. Uh, we have the opportunity to share our insights uh, to, to, to have them speak in and point out and, and uh, apply their wisdom uh, through the Holy Spirit to us in our situation. Don't forget, Gideon had none of this. He had none of these things at all at his disposal. So first and foremost, today, if we're looking to seek confirmation at God's guidance in our lives over specific matters, we should go here first. We go to God's word, go to God's people uh, and bring those two things together. But, but... Based on what we know of God, what we're learning about him and the way he treats Gideon, the way he responds to Gideon here, it is clear that God wants to lead his people into deeper faith, increased trust. And he will use all the means at his disposal in order to bring us deeper into his will. And so to paraphrase the words of Jesus, let's ask, let's seek and let's knock. Of course, let's check that our asking, our seeking, our knocking is not complete unbelief and hard-heartedness. Let's make sure that's not going on in our hearts. But just to point out what God says to Gideon in chapter 7, verse 10, he says that on the, you know, the night before Gideon uh, goes to war against the Midianites, he says, if you are afraid, you shall go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, that's the name of the servant, and hear what they shall say, and afterwards... Your hand will be strengthened. See, God permits this. If you're afraid, then you can do this. Then your hand will be strengthened. So ask and listen. Plea with God. Seek his voice and, 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 and be open to hearing what he has to say. That might need to include for you, uh, as the, Jesus teaches, a period of, of fasting and praying. To clear aside you know, uh, some of the noise in our lives. To listen clearly to what God has to say for us. It might include uh, receiving a prophecy. Either you personally or, or someone in your community giving you that prophecy. A vision perhaps. Even a dream. And also prepare 
when we're asking, seeking and listening to God, prepare uh, for that to come from surprising sources. Uh, don't forget, he heard the dream. Gideon heard the dream from a Midianite enemy in the enemy camp. Prepare to hear God's confirmation from surprising sources. But let me just point out, let's not be naive. Let's not read God's confirmation into every single thing that happens to us. Let's test everything uh, by scripture, against scripture. Let's share our insights uh, within our community of faith, within the local church. Let's invite wise counsel from trusted believers in Jesus. So when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak. Just as we finish this point, I wonder if you have a calling, if you, you notice or know that God is calling, or you sense that God is calling you into a, a new form of ministry or a new avenue of service to him, a specific thing that he has laid on your heart, and yet perhaps you experience right now fear or uncertainty about that, that calling. Maybe others can see in you the calling of God upon you, and yet you, like Gideon, are, are slow to accept their conclusion. Maybe you are less than convinced, but don't forget, when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak. Ask him. He is good. Ask him to reinforce that calling within you. But when you ask, listen. Listen humbly. We've just seen that when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak. But we also see that when it comes to salvation, part two, God weakens the strong. In the story that we've been looking at in the life of Gideon, there are literally hordes of Midianites with accompanying other tribes, Amalekites and others from the east. In fact, the Bible in chapter eight, Judges chapter 8 gives us a total of 135,000 fighters that had gathered against the people of Israel, 135,000. And at best, Israel could summon about 32,000. Uh, the odds are clearly stacked against Israel and against Gideon and his men, but they're conceivable. Um, if, if they play their cards right, if they get the tactics right, spot on, uh, if each guy basically kills five Amalekites and Midianites, then we have a chance. But God came to Gideon and said, Gideon, it's too many. The, the odds are too good, Gideon. It's too conceivable that you could do this on your own. In effect, God was saying to Gideon, I want it to be obvious who wins this battle today. Cut it down. It's just ironic, isn't it, that Gideon, whose name means hacker or chopper, has to hack down his entire army by reducing its number. Uh, and, and so the call went out to the 32,000 Israelites. Whoever is fearful and trembling can return home quickly. And it says that 20,000 left the number leaving behind about 10,000. 20,000 left. I don't know about you, but if I was Gideon, this newly invigorated, uh, called out and empowered leader, and 20,000, two-thirds of my army left, I would be completely demoralized. I would be thinking to myself, oh, well, so much for my leadership, this great man of God, and they've gone. But God, you see, had a plan. In fact, according to him, that 10,000 that remained was still too many. And so he said, right, Gideon, take your army, what remains of them, and take them up to the water's edge after a day of training and marching or whatever they were doing. Go to the water's edge, he said. 
and I want you to observe how they drink. Uh, they, they will either drink directly from the, the water, uh, from the stream, or they will lift up water and lap like a dog. Uh, and uh, God said to Gideon, I want you to keep an eye out for the ones who drink the water, lifting it up to their faces and lapping like a dog, because they're the ones I'm going to use to deliver the Midianites into your hands. And so it turned out that, that after all this had been done, there were 300 people, 300 men who were lapping like dogs. And God said, retain the 300. Everybody else can go home. 300. So humanly speaking, facing 135,000 fighting men, armed to the teeth with 300 guys from Israel, it's just not even worth turning up. It is a suicide mission. But God said to Gideon, with the 300 who lapped like dogs, I will save you and I will give the Midianites into your hands. You see, with all this, God wanted it to be clear who would win the battle on this occasion. He wanted it to be obvious that it was God. Remember the context here. Israel, um, as, a, as a body, had forgotten God. They'd forgotten Yahweh, that's his name. They'd gone after the pagan gods of the surrounding nations. They'd given themselves to them in worship and, and adoration. And yet they had to see, again, afresh, that God was powerful, that he is the greatest, that, that, that the nations and their gods are in his hands. So this is the important thing here. Before the victory, before God's salvation came to the people of Israel, they needed to acknowledge that they were unable on their own to save themselves. They were powerless and only God, only Yahweh could save them. Because when it comes to salvation, God weakens the strong. You see, for us to come into God's power, his saving power, to, to experience that in our own lives, we have to give up our own power. God saves, in other words, God saves those who are weak and those who know they are weak. Think of it like this. It's those who are strong in their own eyes, whether it's countries or tribes or individual people, those who are strong in their own eyes, those who have means, those who have money, those who have power and success, they don't need saving, they think to themselves. Gideon and with him all of Israel needed to be brought low. They needed to come to an end in themselves to realize their need for God and to call out to him to be saved. They needed to realize their weakness to see God's power. And of course, it's the same today. It is the same today. You see, the, the Christian faith is all about the salvation that God gives us through Jesus, through his son. Uh, Jesus gave his life to win you and I back to God. And here's the gospel. Here's the Christian gospel. Jesus had strength. He had wealth. He had all the glories of heaven at his disposal. And yet it tells us that he laid that aside. He became nothing. He became a servant. On the cross, Jesus became sin. He took on our sin. He became sin for us. In the gospel, you see the strong became weak so that the weak, that is you and I, could be made strong. In the gospel, we are, we are saved by Jesus. We are forgiven through what he's done. We are restored. We're made into a new person. 
We're given a new identity. We're given new power to fight sin and darkness. All of that through faith in Jesus. That is the Christian gospel. But here's the, the catch. Here's the thing we have to know. It is only those who are weak and who cannot help themselves and who know that they cannot help themselves. It's only those people that are going to call out to Jesus to be saved. The strong, in their own eyes, won't. Isn't this what is happening perhaps in our own day? Are we not seeing this right now with this coronavirus pandemic? Is this not God in some ways weakening us, showing us that, that as, a, as, a, as, a, as a human race, if not our own country, are we, are we not ultimately helpless? Do we not have great need? Are we, are we not powerless to, to do anything really to, to stem the tide of all of this? Has not the coronavirus pandemic caught us out completely? It has exposed our vulnerability as a nation. It's interesting that recent research just came out uh, a week or so ago has shown that since the pandemic took hold, this is UK research, there has been an increase in church engagement with up to 25% of the population accessing online religious content. 25%. Not only that, there has been an increase in the number of people praying. There's been an increase in the number of people hungering spiritually. With this in mind, is it not that when we realize that we are weak and vulnerable and powerless to do anything, that we're turning to a higher power for some form of solace? But it's not just COVID, of course, it's anything. Whether it's loss, maybe a loss of work or loss of a relationship. Perhaps it's even simply living an unfulfilled and unsatisfied life. Whether the experiences or the possessions that we had failed to provide that which we hoped for, failed to provide that which were promised to us, and, and, and we're left feeling disappointed or weakened or vulnerable, everything that is stripped away. Because when it comes to salvation, God weakens the strong so that he can save them and show his power. So let's sum up what we've been learning so far from this teaching today. When we realise the gospel, what Jesus has done for us, then we know that when it comes to salvation, God strengthens the weak and he weakens the strong. When we get that, we can, we can join in with the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, who boasts in his weakness because in his weakness, he knows that God's power is displayed. Let me read to you uh, a few verses. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I'm content with my weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12. It's important for us to understand when we hear these things that Paul is not being morbid. He's not psychologically unwell. Uh, he might be termed unhealthy, perhaps by modern psychological standards, reveling in his weakness. But it's only unhealthy unless he realises that there is a truer power. 
there is a, a richer fulfillment. There are, there are deeper resources and strength available to him. We might call that the, the, the Gideon principle. Uh, because if you are weak and you know it, if you are fully open to God, fully yielded to him, his power, his strength, his salvation, his grace being displayed in you through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, then you can endure anything. When you understand that, there is no battle too great. There is no enemy too huge, irrespective of what it looks like on paper. Because when Jesus went from being strong to weak, so that the weak one, you and I, may go from being weak to strong, when you understand that, then you are strong in God. And so here's my challenge to you as we close out. Are you willing to gain your life by losing it? Are you willing to give up your claim to power so that you will receive a greater power, a better power? Will you indeed humble yourself before God and say, I need you. I can't save myself. Will you come in and save me? Look to Gideon. Look to Paul. Look to Jesus above all. What is God calling you to lay down, to relinquish, so that he might demonstrate his power, his saving power in your life? Don't be afraid. Because what you get in return for giving up your life is far greater, far better, far more glorious than you could possibly have on your own. We're just going to close out now in prayer. This is your opportunity to uh, give your life to Jesus, your whole life to Jesus, whether for the first time or in a renewed sense, in a fresh, renewed sense. And we're simply going to be coming before God in prayer and saying, God, I need you. Please come to me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Come and save me. Holy Spirit, give me new life. Give me new power. Forgive my sins. Um, so if you want to pray those prayers with me, you can say a simple amen at the end, uh, either out loud or in the quietness of your own heart, just saying I agree with that and I want that prayer to be mine. So let's pray. God, I need you. I cannot save myself. Lord Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you save me? Will you forgive my sins? Will you restore me so that I can know God? Holy Spirit, come and grant power. May I know more of your power in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. And if you've prayed with us, then I'd love you to get in touch. Love to get in touch with you. Um, please just drop us an email. The details are below this video or, or find us on social media. And um, it'd be great to connect with you and how we as Foundation Church can figure out how we can serve you more uh, over these next few weeks and years. So thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.